Greetings, friends, and welcome to I Think Speech. I am Hazel Archer Ginsberg, and today is Monday Thursday, where a holy stillness descends. Right? The sounds of the swarming streets and the bargaining and busy arrangements of the Passover pilgrims have reached their peak. And all the clamor of the first half of the week passes into silence. And just as the deep red sun is setting in the west, faced by the silver disk of the rising full moon in the east, the trumpets sound from the temple giving the signal for the day of preparation. The streets are suddenly emptied and a brooding silence falls. It is the curfew of Passover tide when the destroying angel is out making rounds as it was once long ago in Egypt. On the eve of Passover, the faithful of the old covenant are preparing for the Sabbath. In every house, people gather around the table to eat the Paschal lamb in the circle of their blood relations. And so it is that the Christ Jesus and his disciples also prepare to celebrate the Passover. The sacred stillness is enhanced because providence has brought them to the house of the order of the Essenes. The Cohen oculum, or upper room, which the Essene Brotherhood has placed at the service of Jesus and his disciples, stands on holy ground. Here on Mount Zion, a sun sanctuary has existed from times immemorial. And of course, there's always a counterforce, right? Immediately opposite, also, in its own traditional spot, stands the house of Caiaphas, the ancestral home of the order of Pharisees, where a circle has also gathered. They can scarcely give thought to the coming feast for they are actively crafting a plan of hatred and enmity. While the devout are preparing for the feast, these Enemies are preparing to give the order, quote, seek to arrest him, but not at the feast. Unconsciously, they are fulfilling part of the 23rd Psalm. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. The Paschal Lamb on the table and the words of John the Baptist ring true once again. John, who said, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. For thousands of years, the Passover Lamb was a prophetic custom, and now the fulfillment of the prophecy is at hand. A heavy spiritual foreboding fills the room. Separation and tragedy rest in the air. Christ's deed of sacrifice throws its foreshadow on the consciousness of the disciples who will soon face a heavy test themselves. 
let's think back to when the magic of the blood signified by all pre-Christian blood sacrifices had an active power. It was believed that the shedding of the blood of pure sacrificial animals was able to transport the, the human soul, which was in that time more loosely connected with the body. So it loosens it into this, this state of, of ecstasy where divine forces from the other world could then be reflected in human conditions. And now that ancient way of sacrifice must fade forever, starting in that sacred upper room on Mount Zion. For a divine cosmic being has now entered this world, carrying to earth a new impulse for the evolution of humanity. Therefore, the old blood sacrifice must become superfluous. The power formerly invoked from outer spiritual worlds is now on earth, come to unite itself with this world. The Passover lamb has magical forces no longer for in earth existence itself, a seed of heavenly forces is being formed. The lamb becomes the pure image of the sacrificial deed of divine love. On the table of the holy meal, however, there is also bread and wine. And when after the ancient custom of the Passover had been observed, Christ takes to the astonishment of the disciples these other elements of food and drink, adding a new covenant to that ordained by the Old Testament. A new unexpected deed is forever imprinted into the world. Christ gives to his disciples bread and wine, saying, Take, this is my body. Drink, this is my blood. These substances are not on the table by accident. What was a hidden initiatory rite, which has always existed, comes to light. The exoteric Blood sacrifices were carried out in the temple externally by the people, but in hidden sanctuaries, esoteric sun mysteries have always been preserved. Where bread and wine were always known to be the symbols of the sun god. On the very spot where the circle is now gathered at the Last Supper, the sanctuary of Melchizedek once stood. It was from this holy place that he took forth bread and wine, carrying them down to the valley of Sadron to disperse to Abraham. Now, bread and wine become more than prophetic symbols. The divine Son Spirit is present in Christ. And as he distributes the bread, he can truly say, this is my body. 
and in handing the disciples the chalice, this is my blood. He surrenders itself. His soul pours forth its dreams into the bread and wine. And in the twilight of the room, bread and wine are enveloped with a shining sun aura. Since they become body and blood of the Christ soul, they become body and blood of the Son Spirit himself. All the sun mysteries of antiquity were symbolic prophecy. And at this moment, they grow into fulfillment. In the transition from the blood offerings of the past to the bloodless offering of bread and wine, the whole idea of sacrifice changed. Ancient sacrifices were, were always material offerings. Now the sacrifice of the soul is founded anew, and there begins the tradition of inner sacrifice. The lunar sacrifices of antiquity are at an end. The solar sacrifice of Christianity comes into being. Christianity, the true sun religion, dawns with sunset of Monday, Thursday. By performing significant acts before and after the meal, Christ brings about a, a fourfold whole anticipating the four parts of the central Christian sacrament, which from now on will be continually celebrated. And of which we as anthroposophers must transform further into what Rudolf Steiner calls the reverse cultus, no longer only calling the spirit down, but rising in spirit, rising in our soul forces of thinking, feeling, and willing to meet the spiritual world in our striving to become co-creators with source. This is the true imagination of the six-pointed star, right? We must create the triangle pointing up to meet the triangle pointing down. This becomes the the sacred alchemy of, of fire and water, which we must further transform into the dodecahedron of love. So these new mysteries of, of anthroposophia must continue to hover in our imagination as we continue to live into this picture of Holy Week. Yeah. So, before the meal, Christ follows the custom observed in the order of the Essenes by washing the feet of each of the disciples, including Judas. A deeply moving picture, vast in its full significance. Christ completely surrendering himself in loving devotion upon which his death will soon set the seal. After the meal, another ceremonial act is observed, this time in accord with the custom followed by all the neighboring households where the head of the family begins to recite from the Haggadah, the history 
of the Jewish people from ancient times set down in legendary form, a sort of spirit recalling. Yeah. With Christ too, the meal is followed by a discourse. And this is recorded in, in St. John in the wonderful, you know, we, we call them the farewell discourses, where we hear two of the I am statements, right? He says, I am the way, the truth and the life and I am the true vine. The discourses are also have a prefiguring of the energies of the, the Holy Spirit, what is yet to come. And it ends with the high priestly prayer. So much there in, in St. John chapters 14 through 17. You pick it up and read it. It's, it's very, very powerful. And so it is that four stages are passed through. The, the Passover lamb, the bread and wine, the washing of the feet, and the farewell discourse. So yeah, this, this washing of the feet sums up in a, a pictorial act the essence of Christ's teaching. Quote, a new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another. So this, this washing of the feet is the last of the parables, not just spoken, but fully enacted, brought into the will, the will to love. It teaches love as the ultimate purpose of the Christ gospel. The eating of the Passover lamb corresponds in the structure of the communion service to the stage of the offering, right? Which follows the reading of the gospel. The image of the offering emerges. Christ, the Paschal Lamb, who on the next day dies on the cross so that humanity may conquer death. So as he did on, on Holy Saturday, rising as we must with the new son of Easter. Then comes the third stage. Christ gives the disciples bread and wine. For the first time, transubstantiation is consumed, forming the third part of the sacrament, when the spiritual lights up in the earthly substance. In the farewell discourse, the fourth stage, Christ imparts to the disciples the most intimate truth about his own being connected to the Father Spirit. These words are the, the body and blood of Christ at a, a still higher octave. The soul of Christ gives itself to the soul of the disciples, who at this point are, are really only able to receive this gift as if in a dream. Only John, Lazarus John, who rests his head on the breast of Jesus and listens to the speaking heart of Christ, is able in his gospel to preserve for humankind a, a reflection of this powerful, sacred moment. The stream of cosmic love 
speaks at the same time as the spirit of wisdom through the Christ. This is a, a, a precursor to the, the wisdom of Anthroposophia and the unveiling of Isis, which is our task to take up now and in the future. At this stage, in order for Christ's deed to transpire, the sacred round table breaks up dramatically. Now we have to remember that it's a, a strict regulation of the Passover that after dark, after the sun sets, on this night, no one may leave the protection of the house. It's a tradition. So if a, if someone chooses to do this, he, he goes out to meet the destroying angel. Right? That's the that's the custom, the tradition, the the the, the picture. But in spite of this, we know Judas goes out. And St. John's Gospel tells us it was night. It was also night within Judas. At this moment, the adversarial powers entered into him. The angel of death entered into Judas and he goes to the house opposite where Caiaphas and his circle are waiting. The soul of Judas cannot abide the mystery of the sacrament. Right? Remember the, the, the evening before as, as the consecrated mood of Mary Magdalene's anointing unfolded in the house at Bethany? He was already seized with the demon of unrest. In the upper room, he has met the sacramental substance for the second time. And because there's no peace within him, he, he cannot receive the blessing of peace through the sacrament. Instead, it has the opposite effect, throwing him into the hands of Araman, who displaces his ego and possesses him. As this transpires, Jesus rises from the table and beckons to the astonished disciples who follow him out into the night, into the forbidden night where the light of the full moon had for some time been extinguished for it was passing through an eclipse. The frosty chills of winter giving place to spring begin to be felt as Jesus goes with his disciples to Gethsemane. These two acts of going out into the night symbolize profound inner events. The going out of Judas shows that his true self has abandoned him. Outside, he meets the angel of death. Our harmonic spirits make him their pawn. The outgoing of Christ is a picture of the free surrender of the soul as the cosmic bearer of a conscious sacrifice, a willing meeting with the angel of death in order to transform death into life. A golden shimmer mingles with the chilly night as Christ goes with the disciples down the same path into the valley that was trodden 2,000 years before by Melchizedek carrying the bread and wine to Abraham. The beginning of it all. 
a shining aura, which people saw radiating from the being of Christ on Palm Sunday, has now contracted into much deeper levels. It is at this time not perceptible, and yet the world receives a new glory on this holy evening, which is more like an Easter Eve than the Eve of Good Friday. Prefiguring the yet-to-come Thursday of Ascension, six weeks later, when the seed of light, which began to grow in the upper room, will spread over the whole earth with cosmic power. Thank you, friends, for receiving this picture of Holy Thursday, Monday Thursday. Blessings, dear friends, and peace.